Welcome to Call Jeshurun, a podcast from Congregation B'nai Jeshurun, a vibrant and flourishing Reformed Jewish community in Short Hills, New Jersey. Welcome. I am Rabbi Matthew Gewertz. Call Jeshurun is where you can come to engage with teachings of relevant wisdom and music. You will hear from our clergy, staff, and guest speakers who will help bring meaning into a world that so badly needs it. If you would like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at tbj.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Cold Jeshurun. This is Rabbi Karen Glazer Perlman, and I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with a colleague, Rabbi Sari Laufer from Stephen Wise Temple in Los Angeles. We talked about Purim, the holiday that comes this week, and how we might be able to understand the story from a new contemporary viewpoint. I hope you enjoy, and happy Purim. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so excited to be in conversation with a dear friend and colleague to talk a little bit about the Book of Esther, right? It's one of two books in our entire tradition, certainly in Tanakh, but really throughout tradition, named for a woman and with a a central character who is a woman, uh, the other being the Book of Ruth, so we can maybe come back together to talk on Shavuot. And I wanted to pose sort of the big question, which is, do we think the Book of Esther is a feminist story? It's a great question. It's a question that I think we ask because as contemporary women, humans study this text, we want to understand it through our own perspective. So I do believe it's a feminist text. I think that the presence of women in such important roles and central roles um, makes it a text that we can connect to as, as feminists today, if we identify that way, um, but certainly with women in the front, the front of the story and women really determining their own destiny. So many places in the Torah, we find women really as sort of secondary characters who, whose lives are guided mostly by the men in their lives. And Esther is a story where the women really are leading the narrative. They're pushing the narrative forward. So of course, Vashti, when she turns down the king's request, that's a nice way of saying she refuses to dance for the king in just the early verses of of the book, where he says, come out and dance for for me and the men at my party. Uh, She says no. And that really ends her, her tenure in the story. And then later on, we meet Esther, who is given the challenge of coming clean to the king that she she is Jewish and that uh, Haman is is attempting to eradicate the Jewish people. And so both of them really have to speak up in these ways that in, you know, 97% of the Torah, women really aren't doing that. And so I, I do think it's a feminist story, but I think we, we think it's feminist because of our own, the place we stand today. This week, I had a couple of opportunities to teach the Book of Esther, and I was teaching a part that I don't often spend a lot of time on, and I was teaching about uh, Esther's time in the Beta Nashim, which uh, translates to the House of Women. So I was very, um, I would say, courteously calling it the Canyon Ranch. That was like her spa year, uh, but really it was it's a harem. Um, and that year, and what's interesting about it in that text is that she, in, in that section, in the second chapter, she's she's silent um she's sort of the the stereotypical sort of biblical woman who who is present um but is sort of you know 
not even behind the scenes, but just silent. Like all the things happen to her. There's, I was reading a, a Christian theologian who was commenting on the, its constant use of the passive voice. She was taken, she was given, she pleased or f- found favor in this idea that like something about her was compelling. People, people wanted to do nice things for her, but we don't get a real sense of her. And then, you know, the part that you were talking about, right? Sort of the seminal moment in the story in, in chapter four, when Mordecai says, look, you can be silent, but if you do, history is going to remember that. Um, help may come from somewhere else, but it it, it will not treat you kindly. And so, you know, that famous line of perhaps you were, you know, became queen for just a moment as this. And, you know, I think one of the things that I really appreciated maybe this year reading it differently, I don't know, maybe it's a year in quarantine, you know, our own year in, in some sort of waiting, holding pattern um, is her growth, right? I don't know that the Esther of chapter two would have been able to do what the Esther of chapter four does. And so I I think about that also with Vashti, right? That like, who knows if the Vashti of, you know, chapters before the story started would have been able to to stand up to the king or or what choices were made in there. But it's just sort of an interesting thing of like how we develop that voice. And, you know, both of them really have this interesting relationship with their husband, right? They're both wives of the same husband, even though at different times. And you have to wonder if if the requests were reversed, right? You know, if if the king, after her, you know, year in the in at Canyon Ranch, he had said, "Okay, now come out and dance for me." What Esther would have said, we don't we don't know. We don't get to see that play out, and we don't actually know why the king doesn't ask that of her. You know, we we also don't know his character development, his growth, and we don't know how Vashti would have responded had she been given a task that was not you know, sort of revealing and demeaning to herself if he had said, if he had been able to frame it differently. So I think that there's a lot of, the whole book is, there's so much dialogue in this book. I mean, it is just, you know, dialogue to to all the different characters, but you have to wonder if they had been talking, um, they're talking past each other or they're really talking to each other. And of course, I of course want to read the Midrash that are that's Vashti and Esther talking to each other because we don't ever get to hear them talk and they would have so much to say. I was just thinking that you need to write it. You know, I was also thinking we were talking earlier and, and you brought something up that has been sitting in my head that, you know, Vashti is asked to do something that is about her and her body and her physicality, whereas Esther is tasked with something that's much bigger than her. And I also wonder how that shifts the conversation there. I think there's the two pieces, both like what is asked of them and also who they are and and their voice, right? I think um, one of the women that I was learning with earlier this week commented about Esther in the harem that she that she shows, and, and I hadn't read it that way, but that she really shows emotional intelligence, that she can, uh, as I say to my kids all the time, she can read a room, you know, oh, this person's gonna respond to this, to this, and this person needs this, and, and so to some extent, like she knows what Achashverosh can hear, and like, I'm not blaming Vashti, but is there a way for Vashti to still get what she wanted or needed had she said it differently? I don't know, maybe not. And I do think there's some pressure on women in contemporary life to sometimes speak in a way that other people can understand. And so even though there are moments where we might wanna say, put on the Vashti hat and just say, nope, but a lot of us, I think, have been socialized and trained and also are savvy enough to speak as Esther did, which was not to rush to the king, 
to sort of take our time to play it out, to get the guidance of the Mordechai's in our life. And, you know, I, I've always identified more with Esther than Vashti. I think a lot of Jewish women do for I don't know, lots I've of reasons. I've reclaimed Vashti for myself. I don't know, I don't know what but, that says. But I think that perhaps there, there's actually a reclaiming of both. Yeah. There are no Purim carnivals this year, of course, but if you were at a Purim carnival, I'm guessing you'd see one or two Vashtis and, you know, tons, dozens of Esters. We, I think, sometimes have to sort of dial down Esters, all of her qualities, and dial up Vashti. So we end up with a woman that's not just all one or all the other, but really integrated because human beings, uh, this story is exaggerated for all kinds of reasons. Really what we are is we're everything. We're a little Haman, we're a little Mordecai, we're a little Esther, we're a little Vashti, and we're a little bit of the king. And it just depends on you know what the percentages are, but all of us have all of them in us. And I think Purim's a time where we sort of sort that out year after year, um, hopefully you know forever. I don't think there's any, end goal except to say what character am i resonating with more this year and why i love that so as we're putting on our costumes this year you know maybe maybe it's a year to like really delve into your inner esther or maybe this is the year that you need to really be vashti um and i'm gonna hope that we all find the voice that we need to be and also the voice that we need to hear so i want to thank you rabbi perlman and take care Thank you for listening to this edition of Call Jeshurun. If you would like to learn more, visit our website at tbj.org and follow us on social media for updates on all our upcoming opportunities for engagement. We really hope to see you soon.